you're listening to New City Servant Podcast. We hope you're empowered and challenged as we root deep into God's word in order that we might grow in the good news of King Jesus and live as faithful citizens of his kingdom right here in our city. Let's get into the scriptures now. We are in a three-week series uh, on the Trinity. Last week, we looked at Jesus, the Son, and his ascension to the throne of God. That's what we celebrated last week. And today is the Holy Spirit. We're looking at the Holy Spirit. Next week, Father's Day, we're going to look at the Father. Just to make sure you've been paying attention, how many different kinds of beings are there in the Trinity? Now think, how many different kinds of beings? One. One. How many different persons are there in the Trinity? Look at that. This, uh, this young lady knows her stuff. Yeah, that's exactly right. In the Trinity, what we celebrate is a three-in-one God who's in harmony with himself, who is in relationship, three different persons, but one being, God being, God being. Just like we are many different persons in this church, and yet we're all human beings. We're one, we're one type of being. And so we look at God the Father, God the Son, and today God the Holy Spirit, Pentecost Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. Um, Pentecost is a real event. This isn't a mythical story. It was a real event in time and space. God the Father sent the Son. And you'll look at this timeline up there. The Son came and died for the world on Good Friday on the cross. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. And 40 days after the resurrection, he gathered his disciples together And in Acts chapter 1, he says to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. And that that day, 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus ascends to heaven to where? Oh, come on, man. To the right hand of God. And I was so exciting to explore that last week. Jesus ascends to the right hand of God, tells his disciples to go to Jerusalem and pray, and they go to Jerusalem and pray and wait. They wait 10 days, and then the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. He comes like a rushing wind. He comes, and the disciples have tongues like flames of fire, and immediately they begin speaking, not in the languages that they know, but in different languages from different parts of the world. And there, right there in Jerusalem were actually people from the Jewish diaspora that had come to Jerusalem for the feast, for a feast. And they began looking at these men who were Galileans, which is like a way of saying they they were country bumpkins, and yet they knew languages from other parts of the world that these other Jewish people go, how do they know, they're Galileans, but how do they know how how to speak in languages from Asia? How do they know how to speak in languages from Mesopotamia or Crete? How do they know how to do that? Are they drunk? And that's when Peter stands up and gives the very first gospel sermon. And he gives this Old Testament prophecy and said, time has just shifted. We were in this time before Messiah came and before the Spirit is poured out, but now Jesus has come and ascended into heaven. He has poured out the Holy Spirit And therefore, we are in this last days where God doesn't just come to live with his people, but he actually lives in his people. 
The temple is obsolete because we are now the temple. The presence of God is within us. Today I want to look at uh, the Holy Spirit. I want to look at the Holy Spirit. But I want to go back to before Pentecost. I want to look at when Jesus was actually teaching his disciples uh, about the coming of the Holy Spirit in John 14 and 16. Uh, Jesus is winding down his public ministry and the cross looms large for him. And he tells his disciples that something's about to happen. I'm about to go away from you. Uh, but when I die and rise again and go to, the, go to heaven, the Holy Spirit will come. So let me pray, and then we're going to read John 15 and 16. Father, thank you for sending the Son. Jesus, thank you for sending the Spirit. We desperately need the Spirit's help right now to show us what is written about the Holy Spirit in the Scripture. We can't even understand the Holy Spirit unless the Holy Spirit illuminates it for us. And so we pray that, Spirit, you would come alongside of us even now and help us understand what Jesus was teaching us about you from John 15 and 16, and that that might deeply, deeply encourage us. We ask this for your glory, that we might be better representatives of Jesus in our city. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going away to him who sent me. There's the ascension. And not one of you asks, where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow fills, has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me, because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you, Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. The words of Jesus. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are an American soldier on D-Day. This past week, we celebrated 75 years since D-Day, the, the invasion of Normandy by the Allies. But I want you to imagine for a moment that you're on, uh, you're on one of these transport crafts heading towards the beach at Normandy. 
and the smell of salt water and smelly men is in your nostrils, and you hear in your ears the, the distant sound of gunfire and your commanding officer behind you yelling, one minute, one minute till we land. And your legs keep adjusting as the boat rocks back and forth, and then it jerks to a halt, and the gate opens, and voices behind you yell, go, go, go. And you run out of the safety of that boat onto a beach in France. D-Day, June 6, 1944. There are a lot of broken things about our country, but one of the beautiful things about our country is what those men did on June 6, 1944. I can't imagine the boldness and the bravery it took to run forward in advance. To run forward in advance. If you have the stomach for it, Saving Private Ryan, a movie with Matt Damon and Tom Hanks, it shows what it was like. And let me warn you, it's very gruesome. And at the same time, it's incredibly realistic. Men who actually did that said that that movie depicts it in a realistic way. But as I'm watching this movie and as I'm thinking about being one of those men, I go, how do you be so bold? How do you be so brave? Like, what was going through their minds that enabled them to move their legs forward and actually go right into the midst of a war? Onto a beach that they had never seen before. Onto a beach that probably they couldn't see very well because they were sitting in the boat and the walls were somewhat higher than their head. And onto a beach that as soon as that gate opens, there's nowhere to hide. Nowhere to hide. How, how do you advance? How do you move forward? How do you be so bold? And how do you be so brave? Well, I, I think that there's two things that I would have had to have in my mind in order to do that. And the first one is this, I would have to remind myself, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm surrounded by my brothers and we're running together. We're going together, we're advancing together. I'm not alone. And even if I die, I die with my brothers. I'm not alone. I think that would have been a comfort to me personally if I had been one of those men on D-Day. But then secondly, I think the thing that I would have had to tell myself is this isn't about my life and my story. This is about a much bigger story than me. And even if I run out and my life ends today, my story comes to a close, the comfort is that I'm part of a much bigger story that's happening, of good triumphing over evil. The story's not about me, but something much bigger. I think that's what I would have had to tell myself. I'm not alone and I'm part of a story that's much bigger than myself. And I think those are the only two things that would really give me bravery and boldness to run forward. As followers of Jesus, we are sent by Jesus into the world. Jesus tells us, go. Advance with the gospel. You've been changed by the good news, now you're sent with the good news. Advance, move forward, run but not to kill, rather run forward with the love of God. Run forward with the mercy of Christ. Run forward with the forgiveness of the cross, knowing that the people you encounter can be restored to God through faith and repentance and believing in Jesus Christ. 
And we don't run onto beaches, but we run into other people's lives. Not to take their life, but to give them life because the gospel brings life. And it takes incredible bravery bravery and boldness to be a Christian right now. It takes incredible bravery and boldness to be a Christian because we are going to places we've never been to as a culture. We can't see what's in front of us. And often, if you, as soon as you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, there is no place to hide. There's no place to hide. But in many ways, the disciples were heading into very much the same thing. Jesus was telling them to go. He was leaving and saying, yet, you guys advance. And when you advance, they will think that you are the bad guys. Everyone else will think they are on God's team, but you guys will be seen as against God, even though you are worshiping the Son of God. And I can imagine that, like us, they felt alone and they felt afraid. And it's at that very moment that as we're told to go forward and as the disciples are told to go forward, Jesus tells the disciples about the Holy Spirit. And what he tells the disciples is the very message that I think would have helped me on D-Day, and it's this, you're not alone. As you advance with the gospel, the Holy Spirit is with you. You're not alone. But you're part of a much bigger story that the Holy Spirit is writing. You're part of the story of Jesus Christ, and even if your life doesn't go the way you want it to, your story doesn't go the way you want it to, because of what the Spirit is doing, God's story will prevail. You're not alone, and you are part of a much bigger story. The Spirit is with you, and the Spirit is writing the grand story of Jesus. And that's what I want to explore today. First of all, because the Spirit came, we are not alone. Did you catch what Jesus called the Holy Spirit? Did you see the word that he used? Counselor. The counselor. In some versions, they use the word helper. Now, the Greek word that's used to translate that from is called paraclete, coming from the word parakleo. Para meaning alongside, kaleo meaning to call. In other words, the Holy Spirit as counselor and helper is the one who's called alongside to help. The Holy Spirit is called alongside. J.I. Packer says he's a helper. The Holy Spirit is an advisor, a strengthener, an encourager, an ally, and an advocate. And this is the very reason that Jesus says it is better that he goes so the Spirit could come. Because if Jesus goes, the Spirit can come and be present everywhere at once. Whereas Jesus, as the only God-man, could be, only be in one place At one time. But when the Spirit comes, He is present spiritually with all the people of Jesus forever. Look what Jesus says in John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. This is why Jesus could say right before the ascension, he could say, I am with you always to the end of the age because the spirit is present as paraclete, as the one who comes alongside to help forever, wherever you are. When you need help, 
the Holy Spirit is present. When you are weak, the Holy Spirit remains with you to be your strengthener. When you lack wisdom, the Holy Spirit was given to you that you might know God's wisdom. You are not alone. If you know Jesus Christ, you are not alone. You might feel alone. You might think you're alone. You might hear voices that tell you you're alone. But you are not alone. The Holy Spirit of God, the helper, the encourager, the counselor is with you. He is present and you are not alone. Not only that, but he is not just with you now, but he has been with you. He has been with you. In fact, before you even knew Jesus, the Holy Spirit came alongside of you and helped you see what a fool you were, and that the only logical thing was to trust in Jesus Christ. The scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit is actually involved in our own lives to get us to see our sin and the glory of the Savior. So the Holy Spirit isn't just present now, but he's been part of your life, bringing you to the point where you said, I believe in Jesus. I need forgiveness. Look at how he says it in 16.8. You go to the next slide. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. In other words, the Holy Spirit is working now in people. He's coming alongside people right now to get them to see that their sin is sinful and that Jesus' righteousness is right and that the only answer for sinners is to believe in the righteous one and experience the grace of God rather than the judgment of God. See, The Holy Spirit has been present with you even before you knew Jesus Christ because he was trying to get you to open your eyes and see that the good news is good. And I think this is important for us to understand because a lot of times people think that they come to know Jesus and at a later point in their conversion they receive the Holy Spirit. How did you become a Christian if it's the Holy Spirit who helps you? He's been with you. He's been with you since the beginning. And a lot of people, they'll come to know Jesus and they just won't know what to do. Like, what do I do with my life now that I'm saved? And someone steps into their life and says, hey, do you know about the Holy Spirit? He's here to guide you. He's here to lead you into righteousness. But that's not a fresh, that's not a new receiving of the Spirit. He's been present with people since they got saved. And what I think we often confuse is a baptism of the Spirit with a filling of the Spirit. If you know Jesus Christ, you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes in our lives, we need to ask for fresh fillings of the Spirit to receive new power. When we see new sin in our life or we don't know how to share the gospel, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I think we often confuse the fact that when the Holy Spirit comes with power, it's often as if he wasn't there, but the reality is there. He He was there the whole time, walking alongside of us, helping us to see Jesus. In fact, though Jesus and the Holy Spirit are two separate persons, they work so closely together that the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ. Look at what Paul says in Romans 8. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. 
Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. What Paul's trying to tell us is to have Christ is to have the Spirit. And to have the Spirit is to have Christ. The Spirit comes alongside. He comes alongside to lead us to Jesus and that we might grow in Jesus and live for Jesus and live according to Jesus. The Spirit really comes that we might live for Jesus and live according to Jesus. In the book of Acts, there's several times where people are led by the Spirit. They're led to talk to someone new. They're led to a new place. They're led to try something new. And we kind of like that. We like that spontaneity. The Spirit's coming alongside, and he's leading me and guiding me in these different places. And that happens, and that's true. But what we also have to realize is that the main point that the Holy Spirit wants us to do is to live for Jesus and live according to Jesus. In other words, throughout the Scripture, where the term walk by the Spirit, there's this moral component to it. When we walk by the Spirit, it's saying no to ourselves and yes to Jesus. It's saying no to things like lying, cheating, envy, jealousy, and saying yes to things like love and joy and peace. And sometimes I think we get so focused on being led by the Spirit's spontaneity and spontaneity that we forget what the Spirit's really trying to do is renovate the inside of our lives and renovate our hearts. In fact, when Jesus says this in John 14, look at what he says. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. In other words, the following the Jesus commands and the presence of the Spirit are connected. The help of the Holy Spirit is really to obey the commands of Jesus that he has listed out. This guy, I heard this story about this guy who was in church with his wife. He was worshiping during the worship set. And during the worship set, he like raises his arms and he yells out, I see a vision of the glory of God and Jesus seated on the throne. And everyone goes, amen, amen. And his wife goes, this is the third time this year you've seen a vision of Jesus seated on the throne and you're no better a husband. Do you get what I'm trying to say here? I think sometimes we make the work of the Holy Spirit into these things that are spectacular. And really, he's just trying to change us on the inside so that we love our spouses better and we're more faithful people and we're filled with joy and we're more patient and we say no to the things that we're addicted to and no to the sins that we love. The Spirit is in us. He's alongside us. He's present with us to help us obey Jesus. We walk by the Spirit so that we can live for Jesus and according to Jesus, according to Jesus' commands. Revealed commands. I think there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit today. And when people think about the Holy Spirit, they think about revealing things that are brand new rather than empowering us to follow what's already been revealed. We think about new revealings rather than what's already been revealed. Look what Jesus says in these verses. But first, let me tell you this. He's not speaking to us. This is for us, but he's speaking to the disciples that are in the room with him. Read it with those eyes. I have speaking these things to you, disciples, while I remain with you, 
But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you disciples all things and remind you disciples of everything that I have told you disciples. This is a promise that's for us, but it's first to those disciples. What is Jesus getting at? Jesus has given them all sorts of commands and teachings that he wants them to follow. How in the world are they going to remember all those things? What he's telling these disciples is that he, the Holy Spirit, is going to come alongside them so that they might remember the commands and write them down that we might have this today. That we might have this book today. That promise was to the first disciples first of all. And while the Spirit teaches us all things and reminds us of everything, the first application of that promise is that the Holy Spirit was going to come and help the disciples write the commands and story of Jesus that we might have it right here. And I think too often we get so focused on we need some new revealings and new messages from the Holy Spirit, and yet... Every word on every page in this entire book comes from the Holy Spirit. Every word on every page comes from the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I hear people talking about things that God is showing them, but they don't know this. But they don't know all the beautiful words and commands of Jesus and all the ways that God has spoken through the prophets of the Old Testament and all the stories that point us to the character of God. I heard a story about a guy from my high school. This was years ago. I heard a story uh, about this guy from my high school who went to college. And when he got to college, he got radically saved, like radically, radically saved. And he loved Jesus. And there he is at college, and every morning he woke up, and he got on his knees before the Lord, and he said, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Spirit, lead me. I'll skip class, and I'll go share Jesus with everybody that you want me to. Now, that sounds spiritual until his parents, who are paying the bill for his apartment and paying the bill for his classes, find out that he's skipping classes. And what does this say? Honor your father and mother. One sounds really spiritual, and it's not that it's wrong to share the gospel. It's not wrong to go, Spirit, lead me. But sometimes that can be an easy route to spirituality when the hard thing is honoring your father and your mother. Sometimes we don't need new messages from the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Spirit to follow through what he's already told us to do in this book. And he says that he will. He comes alongside. And many people will go, well, I want to hear the voice of God. Read it aloud. Read it aloud. These are the words of God. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so I think the message of of, of this right here is, first of all, that the Spirit helped these men write the Gospels. And then secondly, the Gospels are from the Spirit. These are the very words of the Holy Spirit. And we need his help. He will come alongside of us that we might actually follow the commands of Jesus. Read it, because the Spirit will help you. He will guide you in the truth. He will take... What he's heard from God, it is written down here, and he will empower you to follow God. He's the paraclete. He's the one who comes alongside. He's the helper. 
He's the advisor. He's the counselor. He's the one who is pointing you to a story that's greater than you. He's pointing you to a story that's greater than you. See, I think the first thing that we need to realize is as we go out is that we do have the Holy Spirit with us. But the second thing that the Holy Spirit is trying to show us is that our lives are not really about our lives. Our stories are not really about our stories. Our stories are about the story of Jesus. We have a story. We have a life. But what did Jesus say? When you give your life away, that's when you find it. When you recognize that your story is part of the much bigger story of Jesus, that actually gives you boldness. But if you think that your life or your story is the end of it all, it's the point, you become incredibly self-absorbed. A couple weeks ago, Virginia and I were at the beach, and we were in these lawn chairs about 20 yards back from the ocean, and these young ladies walked right up to the waterline, and they began posing for each other, taking pictures. So, you know, it was, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny, you know, we had taken a selfie at the beach, so I'm not knocking selfies, I'm not knocking taking pictures of yourself or anything like that. But the one girl took five pictures of the other girl, and then like five became ten. And then we're getting like, I'm like, how long is this going to go on? And they were each there five minutes, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. And then they switched. And the second girl started taking pictures of the first girl. And the same exact thing. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying not to be judgmental here, but like, this is, we're 15 minutes in here. How long is this going to go on, you know? And then I thought, well, that's all of us, isn't it? If we're the end of the story, it leads to incredible self-absorption. But when we realize that the story's, it's not really about us. It's not really about our lives. Our stories are important to God, but, but what's more important is that our Our stories come alive in the story of Jesus. And when that happens, it gives us incredible boldness. It gives us incredible boldness. And the Holy Spirit has come to show people that they're not the point of the story, but that they've been living as if they are. But there's a much bigger story to participate in, and it's the story of Jesus. Look what Jesus says in John 16 about the Holy Spirit. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. And then go ahead to the next one. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me, that's Jesus. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Leon Morris says that the basic sin is the sin which puts self at the center of things and consequently refuses to believe in Jesus Christ. The Spirit has come to convict the world that we think we are on center stage and not God, that all of us have broken the first commandment. We have put ourselves in the place of God, thinking that we are the point of the story, and therefore have broken relationship with God. But there has one, there's one who came and lived the perfect life with God on center stage, 
In other words, Jesus, the righteous one, didn't come living a self-absorbed life. Rather, everything he did was self-sacrificial. Everything he did was out of love for God and love for neighbor. And he was sent by the Father to run into battle. Run into battle with sin and death and the devil. And he did not cower. He ran towards you and me stuck in our sin and he gave his life away by dying on the cross. He was victorious, defeating sin, paying the price by dying on the cross, defeating death by rising from the dead, and having victory over Satan. The evil in this world has an expiration date because of what Christ Jesus has done for us, and one day he will return as the glorious He will set all things right. He will banish evil and sin and death and the devil forever. And the Holy Spirit, what he is doing in the world right now is convincing people that that is the story. That that is the story that we are in. He's come to point us not to ourselves but but towards our own failure, but the victory of Jesus. He's come to point us to the victorious glorious, grand story of Jesus Christ. And if you are in him, then that is the story you are in. If you're in Jesus Christ, then your story is part of the bigger story of Jesus being victorious over sin and death and the devil. And the Holy Spirit wants to convince you of that, maybe for the first time today or maybe again for the 50th time. Because it's in believing that story and finding joy in that story and placing your story in that story that you actually become bold. That you actually become brave. Because you realize that your story is not the point. Your story is not the point. The story that you're trying to advance is not primarily your story, but the story of Jesus. Go! Move forward, advance with the love of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus. This Pentecost Sunday, be encouraged. You are not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. But secondly, he is your helper, your counselor, reminding you that you are in a much greater story than your own. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you.